Nakamura seems to be new to shaking hands. Uh, I maybe. Okay, so this week in our episode, we're going to talk about funny things. I know Mike has a sweet spot for funny wrestling or funny matches or comedy in wrestling. There are people who are purists who think comedy has no place in wrestling, but I love humor in matches. Meet, what about you? I'm not sure. Do you like the comedy matches? Yeah, of course. That's what drew me to it. I put together three categories of funny that I'd like to discuss in a little bit of detail. I'm sure we'll have lots of names and lots of things we can discuss, and this could go on forever. But I'm just going to throw out first a couple of wrestlers who I think are funny and are trying to be funny, right? Because I think there's a difference between being funny, but people are laughing at you, and being funny and people are laughing with you. Like a good example that we all know is Matty B. Matty B is funny on purpose, right? You laugh because he's trying to make you laugh, or he says something to make you laugh. But Jeff doesn't try to make you laugh, but you laugh. <laughs> That's a totally different phenomenon. Okay, so we're talking about guys who are funny on purpose. Uh, here are a couple of guys on my list. Santino Morella. I think he was good at what he did. Made you laugh when he wanted you to laugh. Eddie Guerrero. A little bit more sophisticated than Santino Morella. And I think he deserves a little bit of discussion. What do you think about the comedy that Eddie Guerrero had with his lie, cheat, and steal stuff, Mike? Did you like that? Oh my God, Eddie was the best. I love I love this stuff with the belt. Somebody be down and he'd he'd throw them the belt and he'd he'd, <laughs> <laughs> but he, he'd lay down, he'd throw somebody the right. belt like he got clocked. Yeah, he had some good stuff. Eddie Eddie was hilarious. Nick, what, what do you think about Eddie Guerrero's humor? It was before his time. He took something to another level. Like he started it and then Jericho went to it. And that's that's who I would go to. Yeah, he's like, on my the, list too. Yeah, yeah, very good. Right. So the next guy on my list is Jericho. And then Another guy from that same era, but a little bit higher up the card is The Rock. Like, whether you like him as an actor or whether you think he's a good wrestler or not, his comedy at that time was on point. Really great. A great straight man. Great mic work. I loved it. And in retrospect, looking back on it now, I still think it's really, really, really good. Mike, what did you think of The Rock? I was going to say, what era of The Rock, though? Because I thought he was a lot better when he was... Right when he got in with the nation until he became champion, I think that was his best stuff. Like the picture, he gave the nation the picture. That was great. Like when he was like the whole thing about the nation with him, like that's when he really came into his own. After that, I mean, after that, you know, he became champion and it got a little bit different because he got bigger. But I think his best shit was between when he got into the nation until the end of the nation, when he took the nation over. (laughs) I agree with you. The Rock's best stuff was on the come up. But what I really loved about him was the ingenuity of like, for example, making Kevin Kelly, who's a commentator in today's match, a hermaphrodite, and then uh, (laughs) asking people what their name was. And you knew it was coming. And he would always say, it doesn't matter what your name is, but he always got to it in a different way or a different approach. I loved that stuff. Mike, what do you think of his mic work? Oh, he's great. The Rock was awesome, and everybody loved The Rock. Such a natural. He, he, yeah, he, he, didn't so have, natural. he didn't have to try it all. It just came, it just came out. He just oozed it. Another guy on this list, we've talked about him before at length, Bobby Heenan. I think there's no need. We, we all know. We even did a couple of matches where he was on commentary. He was on fire. A guy that I like from WCW that I don't know what you think of him, Mike, actually. And uh, Meat, I'm not sure either. I loved Norman Smiley. <laughs> the yeah, wiggle. He was all right, man. Yeah. I, 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 he was good. He was a decent wrestler, too. I, I don't, hearing his name after Bobby Heenan, it's tough to put anybody up. Sure. <laughs> you know, what I loved about the smiley was not only the wiggle, but after that, like he's getting over and he's like moving up. His ratings are doing good. So they try to bury him and they try to make him like this wrestler who's afraid of everybody. And he just starts screaming and crying like a little girl. Did you remember that stuff? Was he the he, hardcore champion? Yeah, he was a hardcore champion. champion. And whenever they would hit him, he'd go, ah, ah. Yeah. <laughs> he would come to the ring with the helmet and Right, <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, very clever. Uh, another guy on this list, again, the same generation, same era, Buff Bagwell. He's different than Scott Steiner, who's going to be the second half of our list. But Buff Bagwell, try, I think, tried to be funny when he was in WCW and he was on his way up. What do you think of Buff Bagwell? Uh, I, don't think so he had any person- I don't think he had any personality <laughs> other than his stupid dance. I, uh, I, I never got funny out of him. I just got mediocre. I see. Meat? I wish he would just get off the screen when he was on. I really, I had no, I, re, 
I seriously like I had no there's a, even today I don't care what he's doing today. <laughs> okay, then there's a guy a pair of guys on this list that I think you might not be aware of. Mike, do you know the Florida Brothers? I do not. Oh, meet do you know them? No, I do not. Okay, they're these two Japanese tag team guys that pretended to be Americans. And so like they're typical Japanese guys their entrance song is the American national anthem and then they come dressed in American gear and then they speak on the mic in Japanese with rough, rough English accents. So like instead of saying like a Japanese person would say konnichiwa, they'd say konnichiwa, like just like an American <laughs> person would try to say. And, what era? Uh, they, were, they were in the early, early 2000s, early 2000s. Okay, so did they wear like uh, like the neon shit, like uh, cheesy, like... Uh... Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes. Uh, and then I, they switch to like American tights. Okay, yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, I, I kind of kind of have a vaguely remember. Yeah. And so their finishing thing that they would always do was <laughs> they would have this fake prop chair. And Eddie Guerrero started doing it later, but they had this prop chair where the bottom of the chair would like just flip out. So they'd throw the chair into the ring, like one partner would throw the chair into the ring, and he, he would act like he was gonna hit his opponent with it, and then he'd put it over his own head, and then he, he'd point to the ref, and the ref would look at him, and they'd always win by disqualification. And as oh, soon nice. as <laughs> as soon as they'd win, <laughs> the American national anthem would come out, and they'd stand at attention like they're American military soldiers, standing in the ring, one hand on their heart, one hand on their head. It was hilarious stuff. I tried to get goals to uh, give me some tapes of the Florida brothers. He's looking for them. And once I get them, I'll definitely send them off to you. Okay, another guy on this list, Kurt Angle. I thought Kurt Angle's humor was great. Oh, Mike, God. what'd you think? Brilliant. He was probably unintentionally funny. Is, it, is this the, what we're working here, this list? Uh, not yet. I think this is still funny on purpose. I, you think he was unintentionally funny? You yes. don't think he was? Oh, really? I, I think yes. sometimes. Maybe not all the stuff with him and Angle, which I love that with the little hats and the ukuleles and all that <laughs> uh, With uh, Austin, right? Austin. Yeah. At that point, they they were really nailing like the comedy thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like WWE was really nailing that at, at that point. Like with with uh, those three together, or having the Rock, they they had mm. some good things going on. Agreed. What did he come out? What do you, what did he start with? Did he start with the three eyes? Was that when he started when he yeah. first got in there in like ninety eight, ninety seven? When he first got in there after. After he'd left, after he didn't go to ECW, ECW. After, after the cross incident. The hanging, right. <laughs> yeah, I, but, I agree. I thought it was great, yeah. Uh, the next guy on the list. So I had a little bit of a back and forth through text with Meat, and Meat suggested that Kamala should be on the list of funny on purpose. What do you think, Mike? <laughs> Kamala was great. What, like when you yeah. give the guy the splash and he didn't know how to pin him. Right. <laughs> that shit was good, man. Right. And then uh, from that era, Mike, I know he's on your list. You've talked about him a ton. The Repo Man. Funny on purpose. Oh, yeah. But so good. Yeah. yeah. So good. He was he he was great. I can't. Yeah. I can't. What else can I say about him? Right. Meet. What do you think of the Repo Man? My fun. You know what? I forgot about him until they had like the, the gimmick battle royal and Heenan and Oakland were on on it. He he told Oakland he re, he's going to come repossess his mother mother in law's car. <laughs> Great stuff. But but, st but still, though, anyone that comes out that looks like the Hamburglar, he works in my book. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He looks so much like the Hamburglar. I never put that together. You're right. Yeah. Okay. Then also from Meat's list is uh, two managers, Mike, Freddie Blassie and the Grand Wizard. I don't know much about the Grand Wizard because I told you guys before we got delayed stuff in Canada. So by the time we were getting regularly broadcasted content, the Grand Wizard was already gone. Do you remember much about him, Mike? I do, but not not as much as uh, the classy one. The Hollywood fashion play. He was, he was something else, man. Yeah, he was great. <laughs> He was great. And you know what? Did you ever watch the documentary that Andy Kaufman made with him? Like, a, it's called Lunch with Freddie Blassie or something like that. Did you see that? Wasn't it Breakfast with Blassie? Uh, breakfast with Blassie. Breakfast, breakfast. Yeah, Blassie. Breakfast with Blassie. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah it was it, cool. It was cool. He was like so confused. Like, what am I supposed to be doing here? Like, he didn't understand <laughs> what Kaufman was all about. I'm but, sure Kaufman had a lot of people feel that way. <laughs> so I think that's a good kind of like, not total list, but... Those are the guys who I came up with and talking with me online for a couple of minutes about who are funny on purpose. Anybody missing on that list, Mike? I thought the FBI and ECW were oh. just, they, I that, oh, go out of my wow. mind watching those guys. They were so damn funny. Uh, Tracy Guido. Smothers, Tracy <laughs> Smothers, whatever you think about him, like he is awesome. <laughs> he, he did this angle like where he's got this girl who's wrestling as his daughter. And one of the cards at like at the end, they ended up making out. So people were like almost 
throwing up because <laughs> this guy's making out with his kayfabe totter. That that guy did more funny shit. I'm telling you. So so like the FBI is high up there for me. I really enjoy Dan Housen now. I think he's really cool. Shakara as a promotion had a lot of real funny stuff in it, and they had mm-hmm. a lot of good wrestling. They had bad shit too, obviously, but they did right, have sure. a lot of funny stuff. I uh, really enjoyed the Broken Hardies, man. I. I thought I still I wish they would go back to I hope they do go back to that. I thought that I think that shit's hilarious. It cracks me up. I don't know how much do you know about the Broken Hardies. I haven't seen it much. I've heard lots of stuff about it. I read a little bit about it, but I guess you have to see it to really get it because when you read it, it sounds ridiculous. And it is ridiculous, right. but it's wonderful in that same way. Like I never cared about the Hardies and that until hmm. like they started doing that. And I am only a fan of like the Broken Hardies. I, oh, I appreciate wow. the Hardies, but yeah. the Broken Hardies are, are like that's the one for me. The one guy that I missed that I should have I should have picked up on earlier while you were talking about Dan House and I completely forgot about Orange Cassidy. Orange Cassidy, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he's, he's great. Funny on purpose. Excellent. Okay, now yeah. let's move on to our funny not on purpose list. Okay, so I, we can talk about these guys for a long time and we probably will. The first one is a guy who maybe the kids today don't know, but the kids 10 years ago. So the guys who are like probably in their mid-20s to maybe early 30s know and we all know is the Iron Sheik. And that's because he came back with that stuff on uh, uh, Howard Stern and he became famous for a little bit with his interviews about fucking guys in the ass and raping them and all that shit. And so what do you think about the Iron Sheik meet? He's one of my favorites. That was one of my that's one of my favorite tag teams of all time. When him and Volkov in Blassie, it was such a turbulent time. And, you know, don't yeah. forget that we still. It, the U.S. still had hostages in Iran, and you have this, you have this guy coming in, into the ring, you know, telling you Iran number one, Russia right. number one, America pooey. I mean, that's supposed to, you know, it's it's not. He's trying to be serious, but you know, right. you're laughing about it. What did you think about his stuff afterwards when when he retired and he did all those shoot interviews talking about fuck B. Brian Blair and fuck that Hogan and all that? How'd you like that stuff, me? I just thought he was calling it the way he saw it, the uh, way he saw fit. What did you think yeah, about Yeah, I don't know how much how familiar you are with Twitter, Tarek, but he's like huge on Twitter. Really? Oh my yeah, God, yeah. With this is that how shit. he got on Stern, Mike? Is that, is that, that how he got That's possible. Stern? Like he's got oh. a huge Twitter. Like people that don't even watch, he's just every day it's like with something else. He's like, fuck the jabroni Hulk Hogan on Break his flag again, you know. Like that. <laughs> he's, he's got quite. He's out of his fucking mind in his interviews. Yeah. The Sheik's done it all. He's lived a very full life. Yeah. Uh, if, Mike, you ever, you, if you if you ever seen it on Amazon, it did the, the Sheik the documentary about him. I want to watch did. it. I really want to watch it. Yeah. I watched it. It was good. Yeah. It's, it's really good. It's like oh. it, that's like one of the documentaries that's no holds barred. They they, they, oh. they don't they don't cut nothing. They don't. And he's walking around with the WCW that World Heavyweight title, and he never won it. <laughs> he's a hell of an athlete, man. Yeah, yeah, he was an hell of a great athlete. You know, did you guys ever get in Buffalo? Did you guys have access to Kenny versus Spenny? No, I've seen it online. Oh, uh, you've seen it online. Oh, Mike, I gotta send it to you. There's this show where two guys, they're friends. One guy's like always like breaking the rules and always evil in his character. Oh, you'll love it. It's right up your alley. But anyways, they had an episode where every week they have a challenge and then the two guys do something and then the winner gets to give the loser a humiliation. And so as a humiliation, one of the humiliations, they made Iron Sheik come and try to fuck the losing guy up the ass with a bottle. And so he's trying to push the bottle up the guy's ass. It was fucking hilarious. Great. Yo, you got to watch it. It's great. Okay. uh, The next guy on the list, funny, not on purpose. I think sometimes... He just gets too into the character, and it becomes funny when you hear Ric Flair lose his mind. Mike, what do you think? Yeah, yeah, probably. Uh, some of the stuff was just, I think, just him being him. Like yeah. he'd be in the in the old uh, the, the, the little uh, studio that they used to do the show in back in mm-hmm. the '80s on Saturday night, and he'd be talking, <laughs> "Shut up, fat boy!" Or he'd be right, giving right. some girl his hotel room number. That shit was good. That was that, that was like rock funny. But then he's definitely had some things that are unintentionally funny. And now you don't know what the hell is going to come out of his mouth. I loved that Jay Lethal thing with him and Jay Lethal. Wasn't that great? The woo-off. That's what I was just going to say, because when he, when he goes, even that fat girl right there. (laughs) (laughs) And when he would elbow drop his jacket, fuck, I couldn't stay seated for that. I I mean, I couldn't stay seated. He, every time he got a rise out of me. Yeah. I thought it was great stuff. Great stuff. Okay. Then, Another guy that I think some people say he's awesome and they're into his promos. But for me, I think he 
it comes off as being funny. Like to me, I thought Dusty Rhodes is really funny without trying to be funny. What do you think, Mike? I don't know. I never, I never got him as funny. I never mm. thought of Dusty as funny. I thought, I, yeah. I, I think he kind of had like an authenticity to him, you know. So I never I, really I thought of that as I funny. I thought that there was a pocket of America that could definitely like relate to the, to the dream. I thought that uh, when he got the polka dots in WF, I think right. he was. I think he got. I think he got it not mm. as a rib from from Vince. Who else is going to come with a with a beater right. with a nightstick and a, a you know a policeman's hat on to the ring? He and was really hear, strange, right? And you hear the yeah, American that was dream. Weird. You hear the American dream. And that manager, Sapphire. Sapphire, what the hell was that? Like, <laughs> I don't. She wasn't a worker. She was just like a regular, typical housewife from the south. I don't know what that was. Yeah. That was yeah. weird. Really weird. Okay. Uh, the next guy on the list, Scott Steiner. I think mm. he, when he was mm-hmm. big, Papa Pump, he mm. tried to be serious, but he was he came across as being funny, like really ridiculous. Mike, what do you think? Oh, one of the best promos that ever lived. <laughs> you never you, you always going to get a lesson in math you never knew what you were going to hear he, he shot on people in the ring like shit that he probably got in trouble for if people were not afraid to yell at him he's another loose cannon but he was great <laughs> absolutely a loose cannon agreed i think Me- now he knows probably that you know because i've heard him i've heard him cut promos lately and whereas before like it was kind of just like off the cuff and that stupid shit just made sense in his head to him when he was saying it but now <laughs> i think he's going back to it for a response. i see i see meet what'd you think i just i don't know i just never saw him as a singles person it, and his promos that i just it turned me off but there is one guy to the list i would like to add to it Go ahead. like fucking pillman oh, and yeah pillman was something man when he did that loose cannon shit, well, he was a loose hand no matter what after the Hollywood Blonde. So, but that crazy shit, like when when he took when he went and grabbed Heenan's neck and, and the jacket off. Oh him, right, and he yeah. said, "What the fuck are you doing?" Right on yeah. live pay per view, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Okay, and then uh, the last two on this list: the Macho Man and the Ultimate uh, Warrior. You have no idea what the <laughs> fuck they're talking about. They're in some delusional universe. They're going off on their own tangents. What'd you think of those guys? Meet some of the best promos when he was the IC champion after after he won the IC belt, 86, 87, around there. Must be around and there, right? Would, and he would show up and and Gene would be interviewing and he'd have all sorts of props, the coffee creamer, the fucking the towel. <laughs> I remember that, yeah. <laughs> the towel, the fucking cup of coffee. Yeah. You don't see a Tina's cup of coffee. Mike, I know you mentioned once before you weren't really a big fan of Savage for like when he was at his peak in the WWE days. But what do you think about him as being funny? Oh, I liked him as a villain. I didn't like him right, as a face. Right, I lo- right. I lo- I thought Savage was great. I think he was a prototypical heel. Mm-hmm. He was a perfect pro wrestler. I I mean mm. he, he could he could do his own version of mic work, whatever. You know, it was a little bit crazy, yeah. but but like in the ring, he was perfect. He had the right amount of strength, the right amount of size. He could work. He, you know, he had he had a believability to him. Right, right, right. Macho was funny. I, I the warrior <laughs> that guy used to get me so fucking pissed off. <laughs> the thought of him. He, yeah. He, He's it just infuriated me, but but Savage, yeah, Savage is outstanding, and Gene Okerlund. There's oh one the right, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Gene, Gene Okerlund, Okerlund also what big. a sweet old guy. So great. So, <laughs> you watch some of those outtakes with him, or, or if, you, if you if did you see him on Legends House? I mean, he's something. He, he's a fucking pistol, that guy. Is there anybody else on this list about funny but not on purpose? They just they end up being funny. Anybody come to mind other than those that I've mentioned? Hockey talk, man. How the fuck did we miss him? Yeah, the hockey talk man was very no, funny. I like get a kick out of the Mountie. Right, the Mountie. So I I think there's a third category here of funny gimmicks, and we'll get to the Mountie and the funny gimmicks. gimmicks. Not so much as like yeah, right, right, it's a little bit different. But you know what? The, there's one thing that the honky tonk man said I've said it on this podcast before I loved when he would pick up the mic and he'd say I love all of you and then he'd point up to the, like the balcony and the bleachers and he'd go even those of you in the cheap seats I love you and that's <laughs> that's yeah. stuck with me I don't know why I love that line I think it's great that's pretty much where I used to sit the cheap seats I couldn't <laughs> afford, those, <laughs> afford those expensive seats okay so then let's get to the funny gimmicks there are a ton and there's just too many to go through so I'm just going to throw a couple of random ones out there just because I think these are things we haven't talked about before on the show that we should. One is, do you guys know the Ding Dongs? Oh, jeez, yeah. <laughs> Me, do you know them? I don't. I, that's one I don't. I don't know. So there's this idea put forth by Jim Hurd, 
and it's two wrestlers and their names aren't really clear. Is it Ding Dong number one and Ding Dong number two or is it Ding and Dong? Like even the announcers are not clear if you watch their matches and they come to the ring and they're strapped with bells all over their body and they have a bell in the corner. And when they grab you in a front face lock or a headlock, they just slap the bells that they have on their body into your head. And it's supposed to, I don't know what they were trying to do. And they had big bells on their chest as a, like a, an outfit and their head was covered with a mask, but it looked like kind of like a bell. When you see it, you can't help but laugh because it is so awful. It is so awful. Their faces and in their debut match, in 30 seconds into the match, the crowd starts booing. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> the next funny gimmick that I have on the list is I loved the hurricane. What do you think, Mike? Yeah, he was cool, man. He was cool. I, and I'm not a big, I'm not big on the faces, but he was, it was something about him. He did a good job. He, he did really a job with that thing. Yeah. Meet, what'd you think about the hurricane? I think he took it and he ran as far as he could with it. I do really. It, it was, I, did, I got no complaints with it. That was a pretty good one. The other funny gimmicks here, one that Meet suggested, Mike, was Rick the Model Martell. It's funny even saying <laughs> oh, it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Coming up yeah, with that big the, spray. Uh, the, the spray bottle, a, like the gorgeous George Pipe deal. Right. It looked like it looked like from the old ca- cartoons with the DDT in it. And they would, right. He would spray it. He would pump it and spray it. It was yeah, enormous. Right. right. Yeah, yeah. Great. It was, it was a hilarious gimmick. And then I didn't get to see him too much, but I know the original guy and I've seen a lot of the original guys work. But Saba Simba, <laughs> it's almost racist to laugh at this, but Saba Simba, the gimmick, if you see him and you see how they represented him, it's embarrassingly funny. It's bad. It's really bad. Any thoughts about that, Meat? I didn't really care for him, but it is bad. Yeah, man, that's messed up. It's another one of Vince McMahon's, I guess, probably. Yeah, the uh, thing with the immigrant moments. thing. Right, 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 right. And then the last one on my list about funny gimmicks. Uh, there, There's a ton, but these are the ones we have yet to talk about on the show in detail. Meat talked about it as one of his favorite matches, but we haven't talked too much about Goldust, especially the early stuff where he was like uh, i don't know how you'd explain androgynous creepy and weird and he'd take off his costume like the out the zipper on the top he'd be wearing a bra sometimes or he'd (laughs) have some like g-string on like i don't know what they were going for but to his credit he got it over which is very surprising but the gimmick itself yeah he's a great worker but the gimmick itself at 50 man it's crazy he's he's like but he's as good as now as he's ever been Oh, wow. That's great. That's great. But I, I thought the gimmick was funny, and he turned it around, but uh, it, the gimmick itself was pretty funny. Uh, I think a lot of that had to do with, I think Orange Cassidy has the same thing going on where like he does his thing, and I think uh, uh, the wrestler's reaction and how they plan that out has a lot to do with like the rea- uh-huh. the reaction that like he gets when he gives uh, certain guys the kicks or certain guy, you know? So it's like usually different. So they try to, and same with like Goldust. I think uh, the reaction that a lot of the guys got was probably... Uh, the funny part, right? Right, right. They were yeah. supposed to be so freaked out because this guy was like groping him, and, he, and they didn't know what the hell to think of him to begin with. Correct, right? So and I, of think, course. I think like the reaction was like probably the mm. funny part with like him. I think there's so many guys that we've left off this list that did that gay thing as well, like that. Not that gay; it's not really gay, but like it was like that uncomfortable sexual tension thing. We talked about the FMW match with that Ronald McDonald guy. <laughs> so like, there are guys who've been doing this for a long time. It's still continuing today, but uh, I think he's uh, like a pioneer in like taking it to that next level, like going beyond suggestive and actually making it like real. You know, what I mean, like he really pushed the limit of that. I thought it, it, I thought it was very funny. I thought he did a good job with it. Yeah. How about uh, another one that could be considered racist? But like as a kid, I never really thought of it that way would be uh, Akeem. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's, that's right. You know, as a kid, I thought he was great. I thought he was cool. You know, I like the one man gang guys, obviously, way better. But sure. as a kid, I got a kick out of that. But like now looking back, it's like he's got him in there. He's shucking and jiving. He's in Harlem. Yeah, I don't know. Have you ever that's another seen one. Have you ever seen his shoot interview, Mike? Uh, I've probably seen Pirates. Do, what, so what, what, I, he yeah, did a recent say? one. He did a recent one. He said. Actually, the he and the big boss man didn't get along at all, and they were working as a tag team. He himself is like a really, really, really like clean, like what's his CM Punk always talks about being straight edge, but like the one man gang is like super, super straight edge, like no drinking, no smoking, no drugs, no, not just food is his only vice, food, that's it. And so he and Slick got along really, really well, and neither of them got along with the big boss man. They had no angles left for the one-man gang, and they were going to fire him. So Slick said to Vince McMahon, I have an idea. 
and I want to do this because he knew McMahon would he would love to go with that embarrassing thing or like to try to embarrass people. So he put this idea together for Akeem and he did that just so that they could travel on the road together. Oh, wow. One, yeah. And one man gang was like, I'm so thankful to this guy. He gave me a new career. I got merchandise out of it. I did it at first. I was really hesitant, but I loved being a little slick on the road all the time. And because of that, he got my career extended by like a number of years. And so I'm so appreciative. And so he loves that. But yeah, they the got along so well. And that's why he got his uh, thing extended. But you're right, Mike. It's very racist. Very his dance racist. was cool, though, man. I used to get a kick great. out of that freaking dance he did. Oh, uh, great. It was like I almost like both. Egyptian or something. I don't know what the hell that was. <laughs> I liked him in both the One Man Gang and Akeem. He's, he was always one of my favorites. Great. So I think the reason why we put all these comedy things on the table today is we're going to talk about somebody in today's match. And one of the commentators who is also pretty good at comedy that we didn't mention. And so we'll get into that right now. So this week's match is coming from the ECW Arena, which is known as the 2600 Arena. It was a Ring of Honor match, and it featured on one side one of the greatest young tag teams in the game today. Not young anymore, but relatively young. They're the Briscoes, which are Mark and Jay Briscoe. And on the other side, we've got Shunsuke Nakamura and Kazuchika Okada. They were in their prime in New Japan at this time. It's a dream match. It was a main event of the first day of events for the Ring of Honor. Some show that a series of shows four days back to back. And it was the first day's main event. On commentary, we always talk about commentary and the referees first. So let's get into it. We had Carino and Kevin Kelly. Carino could sit alongside Booker T and Savage, in my opinion. It's fucking awful <laughs> as a commentator fucking useless he was great on the mic in ecw when he was doing that thing with tommy dreamer he For had sure. the house down everybody was laughing in stitches the buffalo flickinger arena when he was on the mic he was great but as a commentator maybe it's just this time fucking terrible what'd you think mike i didn't really even notice him kelly's really good though man <laughs> I, I, yeah i can't believe he left Kevin kelly out he's really good yeah kevin kelly's it wasn't so bad but the team the pairing of them they didn't gel they didn't call anything well Instead of naming maneuvers, it's like, what a move, what a move. And they're just, a lot of times, they're just in awe that this match is happening. And so for me, like, it's unprofessional for them not to do their job, right? Like, I agree, you're sitting in front of a, a ring and you're seeing something you never thought you'd see. It's a spectacle, but you have a job to do. You should be doing that job. And so I felt like for the first seven minutes, they didn't say almost anything. Then they apologized for not saying anything. I thought as a commentary team, they did a terrible job, but Karina was awful. Meet, what'd you think? Actually, I didn't mind them not saying anything, just just for the sheer fact that you had all that talent in the ring. And maybe right. it was too much for them to see, though, because after watching that, and I seen that match a long time ago, I watched it the last three days, and I kept watching it over and over and trying to pick up certain things. And I just think I just think the action and just having all them there, they were, they were awestruck. They really were, because right. you, have, That's right. you have four athletes in there that are going to kick the shit out of each other. And, you know, you don't know what to expect, because I don't know if they were privy to how the match was going to be laid out or sure. anything like that. So, but you're right about Carino, though. He just, he was, he was like, he was like tits on a bull, useless. <laughs> and, and you know what? He, he was really, really funny when he was on the mic in the ring, but I think he fed off of the crowd. In commentary, you can't really feed off of the crowd. So he didn't place any jokes well. He didn't, like, I don't know, he didn't say anything interesting or entertaining. I, I just thought it was a wasted, wasted seat. I think Kevin Kelly, at least he talked about his wife saying that uh, Okada was money and stuff like that. Like, there was some humor there. He tried to kind of play up the banter, but Carino, totally useless. Well, a lot of time in the, a lot of yeah. time in the indies, though, you're, you're going to see that. I mean, he, he was in the chair for a little bit, but like uh, in those small promotions, they have like, they usually got their one anchor and then they have a, and then they end up throwing a wrestler in the seat. How many I times see. have we seen it now? We've seen, right, right, we've a few seen times. it for Shikara. We've seen it for right. uh, the ICW with Joe. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, that's that's kind of the thing, you know. They get that one guy like Ian Riccoboni and, and uh, ROH is always good. And they, they've had a lot of different guys next to him. They've had, uh, you know, Colt and they've had um, Caprice Coleman and plenty of different guys. I think that extra seat, it's just, you don't, mm. you don't get as much out of it. It's always like the main guy is the, is, is the, the constant. In that case, then I wish Kevin Kelly would have spoken up more because I think he was doing a good job. He just didn't speak up enough. You know what I mean? Like he was on point for whatever he said, but he just didn't speak up enough. But for that yeah. match right there, yeah. though, Terry, 
Yeah. I think for that match right there, less is more. Just to watch, just to watch it, and just mm-hmm. just let it unfold. Because there's not really much you can do with them two kicking it, with with them four kicking the shit out of each other. I mean, there's so many spots to call and all that. You know, I mean, me, you, you just let it go. You might be right. Like I'm missing the spectacle. Like we're watching this like four years later, right? So I'm missing the spectacle and then the shock of the New Japan guys being there. You know, like so we don't get that same feeling. So maybe you're absolutely right about that. Like that aura and that atmosphere is something you just got to let soak in. And maybe there wasn't a need for a lot of commentary, but watching it today, it definitely feels like something was missing. Okay. Then Mike, you're right. The ECW arena looks like a real wrestling building now. Like it looks like a real venue. It doesn't look like what it used to look like at all. It looked really good. It looks a little bit small, but I like it as a wrestling venue because the amount of audience noise filters in nicely into the match. You can't have like 30, 40 different cameras in there. So the angles at which it's filmed is like there's only three or four angles. For watching a match, the ring is a little bit small, but for watching a match, I love the way it's set up there. It looks great on film. It may be updated since then. I don't. And when I was there, it was probably like three or four years ago now. It was maybe the year before COVID. Right. And uh, I mean, it looked really nice. I couldn't even I couldn't believe it was the same freaking building. I mean, it looked really nice. Like, you know, like almost state of the art, you know, compared (laughs) to like the last place is a rundown bingo hall in the middle of, you know, a shit Mm. neighborhood. Yeah, I think I think a lot's probably changed over there. Even even like if, if you remember, like kind of walking the streets it was a pretty tough area but yeah, i didn't really tough. get that last time we were there meet have you ever so, been there yeah i was i actually went i, I was with mike and I. so the beginning of the match they start the match and as many great things that happened in this match for me the highlight is the handshaking at the beginning of the match <laughs> i loved it I was hoping you would say that because just to share like just nakamura just just playing it off like yeah. not knowing what a handshake was with the fucking <laughs> shaking everyone's hands. <laughs> Mike, what'd you think about that? Yeah, that was very cool. I, I got a kick. I got a kick out of it too. When I came to Japan, right? Like I, you guys get it from the Western perspective, but I get this from being a Japanese local. There are kids here who meet me for the first time and they, they've never met a foreign person before. And so when they go to shake my hand, like they don't know what they're doing. So I stick my hand out to shake their hand. It's like an eye-opening experience for them, just like Nakamura did. And so the way he played it off is exactly like the way a 10, 11, 12-year-old boy would react. And his acting job for that entire situation was spot on. It made me crack up to no end. I loved it. I thought it was fucking fantastic. Then, the, we get into the match after that. For me, that's a highlight. But we get into the match. Fucking lots and lots and lots of great moves to talk about. Let's get into the spots, okay? So uh, the first thing is they tie up, do a lot of very quick transition moves. And Okada goes for the Rainmaker right off the start. And we know this is going to be a high-paced match. And then the first thing I want to talk about, Nakamura goes on the outside. And the commentator is not doing their job. So I don't know what it's actually called. Mark Briscoe runs from inside the ring and does a drop kick through the ropes while holding the top and the middle rope. And Nakamura goes flying off the apron into the guardrail. I love that move. I've never seen it before. I don't know if it's something he regularly does. Mike, is that something they normally do? Yeah. Is there a name for it? I don't know what it's called, but no, I it's cool, man. Really great. I probably watched it five times, and the whole event, you pick up something new every time you watch it. And, yeah. just, and, this, and this is how long ago this match was from. Yeah, yeah, you know? five years ago now, right? Five, year, five six years ago. Right, and right. It, and it just goes to show you how Vince kills someone. You know, mm, you, bury, right. you bury fucking Nakamura on, a, on, on your fucking roster. He should be one carrying the torch. His debut in NXT was so fucking fantastic. It made me have a new appreciation for him. But like even here, you can see he's the star, even though he didn't work much. I I don't know why that was. Okada did most of the heavy lifting, but he's great. Really, really great. With that said, after that dropkick, Nakamura fucks up for a second. You picked it up, right, Mike? Yeah. Yeah. He goes for a jumping knee off the apron with Mark Briscoe on the ground. Totally misses it, but Briscoe sells it and he does his best to try to recover it. That whiff is not as bad as Janetti's whiffs. <laughs> this is a lot more acceptable, and it's kind of shielded from half of the audience, so I don't think it's a, a really big problem, but it was a clear miss, and the only big mistake 
or the only mistake maybe in this entire match. So I thought it was acceptable. Meat picked up on that as well? I did, but they did a good, you know what, if you're great, you can hide it. So right. these are professionals and they know they wanted what they wanted to do. And you like, like you said, the audience probably didn't pick up on it because they're not watching it as close. You know, they're seeing right. it full speed and they don't have the luxury of rewinding or, you know, mm-hmm. reviewing it at the first time. So I think Briscoe did a good job, you know, selling it for what it was. Agreed. Agreed. Okay, and then from there, they get back in the ring. And another thing I've never seen before, Fireman's carry into a slam and then bounces out of that and tags his brother. Very beautiful. Mike, is that also something they do regularly? Yeah, they're super smooth with that stuff. Transitions are great. Really, really, really great. Really great. And of course, the execution on every move. So here's another one. Uh, Jay Briscoe does a neck breaker to uh, Okada. It looks like he actually breaks his neck. Like I, It's rare you see that move done well because guys lay back with it or they're soft with it because it's potentially dangerous. It's fucking tight and crisp. It's very, very, very good. Meat, was that one of the things you also picked up on? Okay, I just want to bring up one of the spots we didn't talk about is... Sure, sure. The running, the running neck breaker. It almost looked like the. It almost, it almost like it was a double RKO or the double stunner off off the ropes. It was something that flowed pretty fucking nice in that fucking match. There was and another thing almost, too. There was another thing to me. I don't know what it's called. Where Okada did like a figure four on the legs and he turned it into an STF. Did you see that? Yeah. Do you remember that? I don't know what that was. I haven't seen it since. Great. I haven't seen anything since? I mean, maybe that was just called on the fly. Yeah, I don't know. It was great. But you're right. Though That spot, the running neck breaker was really nice. Then Okada tags. So Okada's in the ring and it's not really like a hot tag because there's no real like heel or face here. But Okada's on fire a little bit, throws Jay Briscoe to the corner. And I'm going to spend a little bit of time talking about this. He runs at Jay Briscoe and he does that fucking Shiro Koshinaga hip attack, that stupid fucking hip attack. I hated that thing when he used to do it like ages and ages ago. He did it a little bit differently. Like he just run and bounce off the guy. But Okada does it out of the corner. Mike, what do you think of that hip attack thing? I'm okay. I used to like Koshinaka. I thought he was pretty cool. In Japanese, the Japanese English is very poor and broken. And so, you know, when you take a woman's measurements, you do like chest, waist, hip. And so they misunderstand hip as being ass and so if you talk to a japanese person and say you know your hip is big or your hips are big or something they think it means their ass is big so when koshinaga is doing that thing he they call it in japan the hip attack but actually they mean to say it's the ass attack and so uh, that apple thing i guess that's that's what it's called right like because the shape but in japanese commentary they always call it a hip attack i fucking hated that move i thought it was stupid i agree that it throws your momentum into somebody but it looks so fucking ridiculous to me right after that he's on the apron this fucking guy is six foot three and he does a senton onto mark briscoe in the middle of the ring so fucking smooth rolls out of it stands up in one motion this guy is so fucking i know he's great i know he's great but it's i think it's often like missed that for a guy his size how smooth he moves he moves like a guy who's 510 511 you know six feet at most but he's 63 and he's a little bit heavier too i think he's very smooth mike thoughts on okada well you know what the kenny omega matches got spoiled the results before so i never watched them oh and and i love i love kenny so my, my thing is, I, I don't know. I haven't seen enough of Okada. And what I have seen in, in comparison, I'm comparing him to like Nakamura and sure. unfairly to like Kobashi, Masawa, yeah. Kawada, yeah. Yeah. Tanru, yeah. Jumbo. To me, like Fujinami, uh, Inoki. You know, mm-hmm. to me, I like those guys better. I would yeah. much rather mm-hmm. watch any one of those guys wrestle than Okada. But, you know, I, I didn't see enough of them. I didn't see the Kenny match because I, I wasn't going to go into a match that was an hour long and watch it after I know, knew who won. So I watched that match because I found out that Meltzer gave it seven stars just to see how good it was. And uh, I, not, uh, you know, not so much. That's not, not so much of a seven, seven star. Mm, you know, like I I'm exactly my taste in matches is exactly the same as Mike. I have the same preferences, but I have to admit that seven-star match was on par with Misawa Kobashi, on par with Kobashi. Sure. Yeah, sure. I, w- I wouldn't say it's better, but it was on par. It was at that level, absolutely at that level. I saw the spot where he like went, he just like collapsed. I think he was going yeah. for New Year's. Yeah, that was pretty fucking awesome, man. Yeah, yeah, it was great. It was so great, I but- thought it was. I, I wish I could bring myself to watch a match where I know the results 
Yeah. It's an hour long. It's tough. It's tough. I agree. But yeah, but he's he's good. But I agree with you. He's not quite at that level. But for today's guys, there, I don't think there are many guys who are 6'3", moving around like him, right? Are there guys that fluid oh, at yeah. his size? Brian Cage looks like the Incredible Hulk, and he does that shit. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's yeah, good. Yeah, these guys are so athletic now. They can do anything. I see. It's 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 hard to believe that you know the Briscoes aren't small guys either. They're they got to be six two, six one, six two. Mm-hmm. You know, the smallest man in this match is Nakamura, and they're fighting. They're flying around like they're fucking cruiserweights. Like they're, right, they're so right. they're so nimble and agile. Like that was the first thing that jumped off at me that these guys are big guys. They're hulky guys, and they're and they can move like that. And you have, you have, what's his name on the outside, too, coaching everyone. So. Ghetto, right, yeah. Ghetto. I really like Mark Sproggy bow. <laughs> yeah, very nice. Very, he very nice. He hit him with the side, too. He hit, he hit him with, with the side. side. So. I, I thought he stiffed him, right? I think it was a, a <laughs> it might have been a mistake, right? Yeah. <laughs> that happens just after Okada had done a drop kick to Jay, who was sitting on the oh. top rope. And then he comes back with the, the second drop kick after. You know, I think Okada's drop kick. So I... I remembered seeing drop kicks when I'm little, and I remember lots of guys delivering great, great, great drop kicks. For me, the best were always Brunzel, Henning. Oh my God. Yeah, fucking great. Brunzel, Henning, Bob Doug Furness, Bob Holly, Lanny Puffo, and I even uh, Orton, the new, the kid, Orton's kid. What's his name? Randy Orton. Those guys' drop kicks are excellent, but all slightly different, but none of them. I think are as good as Okada. Okada's fucking drop kick is yeah, they're very nice. You oh, fucking perfect, right? Yeah, the timing is great, and I think I like that better than the Rainmaker finisher. I like his drop kick as a fin- I think the drop kick should be the finish. I think it's that good. That Rainmaker was really good, but there's been yeah. so many of them that I've seen that were so like, eh. You yeah. know, I, I just didn't buy it as a finisher. That he did a great, great one in this one against he, against Mark Briscoe. Right, excellent. And you know what's really good about it too is that they kept saying towards the end there that the briscoes haven't lost in almost three years they haven't been pinned or they re they reiterated that throughout the match it's been three years since they lost the match and they've never been beaten in, in the ring of honor arena or whatever mm-hmm. yeah so i thought it was good like you were unsure if that was going to be the finish or not but and i thought it was a good finish good match maybe i'm wrong actually i'm sure i'm wrong this is probably by far not one of the briscoes better matches we i think Oh, They're, probably not even close, yeah. Right, not even close, right. I'm sure they've got to have much, much better matches than this. So we try to make it a point not to watch guys' matches repeated on the show, especially as of late, we've been trying to focus on getting new guys in. But I want to come back, Mike, at some point and watch a Briscoes match, one that you think is one of their best matches, just so I can get a better sense of who they are, because I don't think this captures how good they were. Overall, I do think this match was a good match. Not a fantastic match, but a, definitely a good match. The finish was nice. The finishing sequence wasn't bad. What are your thoughts, Mike? I can't look at Nakamura without thinking, what an absolute waste. And I don't feel mm-hmm. bad for him because these guys, they re-up their contracts. They get fed a shit sandwich for five yeah. years. Mm-hmm. And they decide, well, that wasn't so bad. So they come, they sign back up and they think things are going to change and they get, what a yes. waste. He was great in NXT when he got called up. He was so over. He should have been, he should have had the strap. Instead, yep. they gave it to Jinder Mahal because they got to play their foreign fucking invader yeah. thing. Yeah. And nobody liked that guy. That, that, that killed <laughs> it. Like you have Nakamura who was like over his, like so over. And you're going to give the belt to Jinder fucking Mahal because you're doing a uh, pay-per-view in, in, in fucking another country or yeah, bullshit. Yeah, some bullshit. Yeah. What a bunch of shit. It's, but I don't yeah. feel bad for him. He, right. Fuck him. Finn Balor, you want to resign with, with this place? You, you know, you know what a joke it is. You, you know what a cancer it is, and, and what a career killer McMahon is. He's taking guys like Nakamura and made them mean nothing. He just had the IC belt in it and whatever, maybe because he resigned, but he defended it once since the summer, and he just oh. lost it. You know, so so like I, I don't, I don't feel bad for these guys, but yeah. it, it, but it's lost waste. potential. He's right? got to yeah, be the biggest right. waste of them all, though. Uh, meet overall this match thoughts. It's a good match, by the way. Yeah, it's, match, it's, okay. it's, it's a good match, but, but we're, we're looking at it, you know, how many years after, and we didn't right. see, you know, I mean, for for the time, I thought it was a 
thought it was a good match, you know. But you know, we're out. You know, we're playing. You know, Monday morning quarterback with this when it was happening. At like, what was going on in the industry at that? What who was WWE wasn't giving us anything like this. Everyone was saying, "Well, that's Ring of Honor. That's you know, that's indie. That's not some of the best." You know, look at all the people that are in NXT that made the main roster in WWE. Now they're all here. They're all fucking. They're all over as fuck. And then they yeah. went there, like Mike said, they went there to fucking die. You know, Ricky yeah, how the fuck can you fucking ah. sleep on that? Yeah. Jesus Christ. So I'll give you one thing for sure. Even though this is ROH and it's supposed to be an indie, what's great about this match is it doesn't feel like it's an indie match. It feels like you're watching four pros. I'll absolutely give that to you. And I think it's a good match. I just wish maybe they had more time together. It would have been a fantastic match. That That's all. Yeah, like Nick said, there's. I think there was a point in time where like ECW had a better tag roster than the WWE, right. And, right. And, and ROH most certainly had a way better tag roster over the last few decades than WWE has had. And WWE has never made any attempt at it. You, you know, but look and, at it too. Yeah. Look at it too, though, Mike. Everybody that's over now and whatever in AEW, in New Japan, all that they all they all were in Ring of Honor at some point. They all, yeah. they, all, they had to make their bones there, you know. That like was even the place, even, yeah. even fucking Joe, you know. As much as people hate Samoa Joe, man, I watched I watched the one I watched the one the one match the other night with him. I, I think it was him and Steen, maybe, and they beat the shit out of each other. And Joe's great. Like yeah, he's good. Six, I think there was like sixty people in the audience, and they made it. No, it was Samoa. It was Joe and one of the Briscoes. The Briscoe that was the champion. I watched. I watched. There was that, definitely. And, a- a period of time where Joe was at least in the conversation for best in the world. That's I'm, just I'm, about the time where he was working with Kobashi, right? Around then. Yeah, and his stuff yeah. for Punk. I mean, he had quite yeah. a long, a long run of being awesome. You know, once he left Ring of Honor, you know, he went to TNA. You know, it wasn't bad. Mm, yeah. He got to wrestle Angle and you know stuff like that. But Styles, Daniels, but is is that Ring of Honor stretch was just brilliant. I think that time it's it's underappreciated all all the time that most of these stars spent ring of honor because they don't ever want to mention that shit how you know they had to make their bones some way and they had some of the best matches of their careers all those guys that went to wwe and all that it's like you're right he fucking kills people if he yeah. doesn't think of the, if he doesn't think of the gimmick you're fucking gonna get buried yeah you know no right matter how right. much it worked everywhere else in yeah. the world if, it, if it's not something that he gets a tickle out of it's done what why is it that every other promotion recognizes where people have been until you go to the WWE and they just for fucking forget about it? Like that's, you got no that's history. That's a famous thing, right? We, it doesn't matter what you did before you got here. That's what they and always say. It's so say. stupid. You have these it's guys dumb. with all these yeah. all these world accolades and you don't even mention them. You don't bring them up. Yeah. Insulting to the people and, and for the people that don't know them, you're not really giving them a really proper representation of the. You're thinking you're seeing this guy who's just popping up on WWE TV for the first time. You know, the, like that, that, this guy's got world championships all over the country or, or he did this in Japan or he did this in Mexico and they're, and they're pretending like this guy he has no past you know what the first time mo- most WWE fans heard of New Japan was when fucking Styles came and they had to fucking say the, the, the oh, they said it after, right. Right, 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 right. that was like the first time you ever heard New Japan he was this he was that and, and then you never heard anything else of it I don't know what they're doing it's ridiculous Do you know who's on the roster? Last week, we had one of you win each of the games, right? So one of you won the roster, one of you won. Who the fuck is that guy? (laughs) We're going to see if we can break the tie this week. We're going to start with the roster. I'm going to give you a little bit of a hint because there have been so many of these. It's hard to distinguish between one and the other. But this week, we're talking about WrestleMania 10. WrestleMania 10 was in... Madison Square Garden, and I don't want to give away too much of the show, but to, to lead you guys a little bit, there's some big, big, big matches on this card. I think we're going to get how many total guys here? There are a total of 30 people on this roster. I'm thinking you get 10. I'd love for you to get more. Let's start this week with Mike. Mike first. WrestleMania 10, the roster. Don't even know if I was watching it back then. I don't even know if I saw this, but I'll go with Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels is in one of the most famous matches of this era of wrestling on WrestleMania 10. It was one of the most famous matches of that era. Meet. 
Razor. That's right. So the this is the WrestleMania with Shawn Michaels versus Razor Ramon in the ladder match. You saw that, right? Nice. Mike? Oh yeah, I did see yeah, it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Next, Mike. Bret Hart. Bret Hart. He's in the first match and he's also in the main event. Correct. Meet. Fuck. Diesel. He accompanies Shawn Michaels to the ring in his match in the ladder match. It's correct. Mike. Undertaker. (laughs) Oh, my God. So we all know there's this Undertaker streak. So I'm thinking, hey, hold on. There's a streak. He's got to be here. But I'm looking through the official WWE homepage for the matches. And unfortunately, Mike, you lose. Oh, oh my God. God. Who was in the main event with Hart? Austin? Yokozuna. Oh, that was the next one I was going to say. Meet, you got Yokozuna next. I'll give that to you. Who else do you have on this show? Uh, Hogan? No, no, Hogan. You're out. Who the fuck is that guy? Who the fuck is that guy? Meet, I'll let you start first. Who the fuck is that guy? Round one. Patty. Jacques Rougeau. Incorrect. Mike, round two. Cancer convict. Fuck. Well, the patty made me think Fit Finley, and then the cancer is making me think Sandman with all the smoking. I'll go with Finley, though. Incorrect. Round three. Cyberpunk Ice. Bob Holly. Incorrect. Mike. Round four, Sweet Daddy. Okay, I'm not, I know it's not Sweet Daddy Seeky. That's too old. Um, shit. It's a tough one. Blanks, man. I got nothing. Nothing. Okay, meet. This is your last chance. If you don't get it, it's game over. If you don't get it, I win. <laughs> Round five, JC the Ice Baby. Dude, I was going to say that. Fuck. <laughs> Damn. Don't say it. No, not Scorpio. Mike, who is it? JC Ice. Just JC Ice or Jamie Dundee, correct? (laughs) Right. Yeah. You know what? When you said that, uh, what was the one a couple back? I almost Cyberpunk Ice said that. So the they were Patty, Cancer Convict, Sweet Daddy, Cyberpunk Ice. Cyberpunk is the one. Cyberpunk Ice. That's the one I was gonna say, Wolfie D or JC Ice. Son of a It was a tough one this week. Tough one. We're going to do our last segment this week. It's internet bullshit. As you know, we've talked about in the past, the Bleacher Report is a source for the worst internet bullshit ever, especially with regards to wrestling. And this time, they're at it with their top 10 tag teams of all time. Okay, this oh, I'm, is, I'm all over this. <laughs> this is not only domestic. This is like international. They have Japanese. They have a list of 50. And this is a top 10 from around the world. Okay, so I'm going to give you each team just a very quick comment, and then we'll move on. Number 10, meet the Midnight Express. Give it my top time. Okay, Back Mike? Uh, yeah, yeah. Like a, aside from the fact that modern tag team wrestling is so much better than when it was back then, right. they were always in my old top five. Like I see. Not in my top five anymore, but they're definitely in that top 10, or running that top, top 10 spot because they were great. Yeah, I think that that's a, a reasonable pick. Okay, number nine. Dory and Terry Funk. Fucking love them. Mike? Absolutely. Both of them are wrestling gods, and there's no universe where I would put them in my top five tag teams of all time. (laughs) Right. Right. They're singles. Like, okay, I agree. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. They're good tag team wrestlers, sure. But they're not the best Ted tag teams of all time. They need longevity. You need uh, tons of titles. You need need, uh, accolades. And they've got a lot of them, but not enough to keep up there with top ten of all time. Agreed. Agreed. Okay. Number eight. We'll go with you next, Mike. Matt and Jeff Hardy. I don't like them, but they're absolutely, and I would have a hard time taking them out of the top five, and I don't even like them. Meet, what about you? Matt and Jeff Hardy. Yeah, through legend. It'll be interesting to see what they have left in the tank. Okay, number yeah, seven. It's been like a constant evolution of like the rock and roll teams. Like, I think, yeah. you know, whereas like you, you, there were some earlier ones, but I think it was like 
the Rock and Roll Express, you know, they made so many spinoff teams of, of like of the yeah. Rock and Roll Express. And I think eventually, like, I don't think the Rockers were an elevation of the Rock and Roll Express by any means, but I think the Hardys were. And then I think like, which gave us the Young Bucks, who are a better version of the Hardys. Correct. Okay, number seven, Demolition. Me? Fuck no. Fuck <laughs> Mike's already no, on no. the... No. Fuck no. No fucking way. <laughs> okay. Uh, number six, which I I agree with, but I don't think they're number six. I think, in fact, I might even put them higher. The Steiners. Meet. I say top five. Mike? They're an old school top five team for me. For me, they probably still stick around in the top time like the Midnights. Agreed. Yeah, I think I think it's a reasonable pick. But here we go. Absolutely. Here's where it gets ridiculous. <laughs> Number five, meet D Generation X. <laughs> no, I'll pass. No, maybe top fifteen. <laughs> Mike, no way. That's crazy. They weren't the best tag team in the unit. Like the, the tag team that <laughs> group was the New Age Outlaws. So right. how the hell? Why did they put the rocket sack? Why did they put the rocket sack connection on? Dude, he stole that from me. I was just about to say that. (laughs) I was just about to say rocket sack got to be number one. (laughs) Okay, number four, uh, a reasonable pick. Number four, the Dudleys. Mike, absolutely. They're in my top ten, and they're they're possibly also in my top five. It's the same, the same top five for me. They've had longevity. They've been across like a lot of different promotions. They've always done well. Their mic work was great. They were even with twenty-sometime world champions. Right, yeah. right. Number three, the Rock and Roll Express. Meet I, top ten, top top ten. They're up there with the Rock and Roll. They're they're up there. Mike, I agree too. I think a lot of people want to put them. Some people put them as the best tag team of all time, and I, I just don't buy it. It was all arm drags and drop kicks for me. And uh, Ricky Morton was one of the best sellers ever. So like you can't, and he was hugely over. So so that was kind of neat, you know, the hot tag with them. They did it better than anybody. But top time for sure, top top five. Not not so much now with all these guys that are out. Now. Okay, T next, Mike. Ready? Number two, Edge and Christian. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> no, no, no I, I I like those two guys way more than the Hardys, and there's no way yeah. that they belong ahead of the Hardys on the list. Or yeah. even in the top 10 list. There's too many good teams. Yeah, agreed. Meet, what do you think about Edge and Christian? Number two best tag team of all time. Whoever fucking wrote that. <laughs> <laughs> so, the Beecher Report. The fucking bullshit. Internet oh, bullshit for the Beecher Report. Oh, this is probably worse than WWE's list of their top yeah. 10 tag teams of all time. <laughs> and their list sucks. Yeah. <laughs> but at least there was like merit. Like as much as like the Usos and the New Day don't belong on a, any top ten list because they're not as good as any of these teams. I could name a ton of right. teams by the but yeah. but they totally dominated that company for and, and that's yeah. because Vince doesn't care about tag team wrestling and those are the two tag teams he picked to be on top for ten years. But yeah. but those guys I, I can at least see WWF putting them on their list. But how the hell is Edge and Christian number two on the top tag teams of all time? Right, no fucking way. Unbelievable. That's okay, insane. And, and I love those guys. I I was a huge fan of them. I I, I didn't like the Hardys. I liked Edge and Christian. Mm. Before the big reveal, if it's not the fucking Road Warriors, who is it? Then? <laughs> okay, so so you're <laughs> right. Sure it is. Yeah, it's the Road Warriors. You're right. It's the Road Warriors, right? But right. but if we go through the list and you think about this, the Midnight Express, Dorian Terry Funk, Matt and Jeff Hardy, Demolition, the Steiners, Degeneration X. The Dudleys, the Rock and Roll Express, Edge and Christian, the Road Warriors. So many fucking excellent teams totally ignored here. Like, it's hard to believe, like, how they made the such fucking a... Heart <laughs> the fucking Hearth Foundation. Bulldogs. Fucking, fucking British Bulldogs. I don't Bulldogs, those guys on my list either, though, because the Heart Foundation weren't around long enough. So, yeah, but I true. didn't have enough. Like, to me, it's, like, cool to go back and look at how, how good those teams, like, were as we remember them as a kid. You know, 20 years ago, I, I definitely get the road warriors or i could even make an argument for tully and iron but you know tully tully and iron always like probably my old go-to team you know a lot of people said the road warriors and i now i don't know that there's enough longevity i think they can make the top 10 but i I don't they weren't together long enough but they were great but if you look at like the the length and the accomplishments they pale in comparison to the greatest tag team of all time which didn't even make the list the biggest admission is the is the young bucks right they're the best tag team that ever lived they're the best tag team in in any Known universe that's ever lived in and inha- inhabited a wrestling ring. Bris- uh, I right. think the, maybe the I think the Briscoes can go with them though. I think the Briscoes are just as good as the Young Bucks. 
the Briscoes are on Briscoes my all time top ten too. Those guys are yeah. also not on this list, right? So yeah, <laughs> right? Like, they're, none of they're these all guys. time top ten for me. You know what? Yeah. I like that. I, there's something about the fucking Briscoes, man. I don't know. It's probably like the way you feel about the Young Bucks. I like the Briscoes more than the Young Bucks, but I, I think do the Young too. Bucks are the best tag team ever. And, and you know what? So many guys of our generation, they don't look at like those teams, but they'll look at teams that were good in other. Okay, WWE was the number one thing. But like Ring of Honor was the number two thing, right? In the right. US right. for a long time. And the Ring of Honor tag team division far exceeded anything WWE's done. So like in that retrospect, they don't take, you know, they, they think that because there was the NWA and there was the world class and there was AWA, they they look at all those teams in an equal light, but they don't do that with like teams that weren't in the WWE, like the Briscoes. You know, there's a ton of other great teams, but but Briscoes and the Bucks are the the main two standouts. And and those guys would be like the equivalent of the NWA World Tag Team Champions or the equivalent of the AWA World Tag Team Champions. But people don't look at it that way. They just right. think about who's in the WWE. So, like, you'll see, like, a lot of lists that'll have teams like the Hart Foundation who were cool, man, but, like, they don't belong in the same category because what, what they did compared to what the what the Young Bucks or the Briscoes did or, like, a lot of other teams that, that don't get that kind of recognition because they're not in the AWA. Because the AWA didn't fucking exist. The NWA doesn't exist. But right. Ring of Honor did. And Ring of Honor consistently put on better world title matches, consistently put on better tag team matches. But it's not the WWE. So people look past those great teams. There's lots of teams missing from this list. Lots and lots of teams. And I think out of the 10 here that we've talked about, there's probably, like, three teams deserving of true top 10 status here, right? You've got uh, like them or hate them. Uh, the Steiners, I think, are Steiners ages. are very good. They did, it yeah. all, they did it a lot of places, yeah. Yeah, they worked all over the place. So Dudley's agreed. I think that's a no-brain. These two are like absolute no-brainers. And then maybe on the outskirts of the top 10, you have the Rock and Roll Express because of like their legendary status. But the Road Warriors didn't fucking work. They were just over. They didn't work. Their matches that's were everybody's shit. number one team. And there's yeah. just... They went in there and they butchered guys. Awful. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's <laughs> why I, out of I don't know if I. I barely put them. Ah, it's, it's hard to take them out of the top five, but but like, yeah. it's 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 easy to take them out of the top five too. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to write to us at sixmanpodcast at gmail.com. For now, it's time to tag out. <laughs> 